as I take a break? And I said, absolutely. And it's been a gift. It's been a gift for our family. Uh, our kids are here. My wife, Becca, who's just walking in, is here. Um, thank you, team, for leading us this morning. As we sang that uh, word, this question began to come to the surface for me. In a season and in a day marked by uncertainty and waveringness, what anchors you? What roots you? I love that line. The affirmation that God is good. God is faithful. I wonder this morning if, if some of us just need to be reminded of that. That as we come together as the body of Christ, we remind ourselves of the goodness and the faithfulness of the living God. The one of whom the psalmist writes, Psalm 121, as our family rode from Harrop towards Proctor yesterday. Look to the hills. Is that where my help comes from? No. My help comes from the living God. The one who neither slumbers nor sleeps. The one who is good and faithful. So that's sermon number one. It's good to be with you. I wanted to just give you a brief uh, just update and invite you maybe um, to extend what John invited, just a continued prayer for our community of churches across Canada. At this point, uh, about between a third and half of our churches have begun a process of regathering. For many of our churches, they're living in this in-between space where they continue to provide online connection for their community while they're also uh, simultaneously gathering many churches um, experiencing somewhere between a third and half uh, of their pre-COVID attendance. But the reality is churches are seriously working to remain connected. I just want to give testimony um, or give a witness to the way that God has been good and faithful in this season. Um, I'm so thankful. It's been remarkable to me. It's been inspiring, especially from the beginning of of our journey together five months ago, the resourcefulness and the fierceness of communities and specifically of leaders, both lay leaders and pastors alike, to be resourceful and to be creative and to do whatever they could in some ways to continue to encourage their community to live into the goodness and faithfulness of God. It's, it's been remarkable to me. If you had told me on March 15th, uh, so here's a fun fact for you. I'm bookending my times of public worship on March 15th. I was here in the Kootenays, and I preached in Nelson on March 15th. This is my first Sunday gathering with God's people in person again. Um, I've had many Sundays where I worshiped in every time zone in the same Sunday, moving from east to west. But on that Sunday, if you had told me what was going to happen, I probably would have laughed. I mean, we had a beginning sense, and I'm going to say something more about it in a minute, of how crazy and turbulent the coming weeks would be. But if you had told me, uh, even this fun fact, that within the next two weeks, over 90% of the covenant churches in Canada would have figured out some way to connect and, and bring their communities together online, I probably would have laughed. 
Uh, many of our communities, some of them had online presence, many of them did not. And yet what I saw over the course of a very short period of time was communities come together and work uh, to continue the message of the gospel, to bring about the proclamation of the good news, but also to connect one another in a really challenging season. So I'm thankful for that, and we've stepped in with that as well. I think very specifically our mission, and, and I'll be really candid, my mission in this season has been to do anything I could to serve and support local churches and their leaders. And I'm thankful for the way that God's been faithful in and through this. And so uh, would you continue to pray for our churches across Canada? There's two groups that I'd really like to highlight. And one is um, many of you know that over the last 10 years there's been a significant move of church planning across the Canada Covenant. Uh, every church, this coronavirus pandemic has respected no group of people. It's a unifier, Right. But our church plants, in some ways, deal with another level of crazy. When you think about the instability that comes with communities that uh, often don't own their own property or have their own spaces or there's limitations, our church plants and church planners have been forced to be, uh, in some ways, even more uh, innovative and creative. And, and they've done that uh, uh, just from west to east. Would you pray for City Collective in Langley? I see a couple of City Collective's attenders here, Neil and Cheryl Josephson. It's good to see them. Right now, they're meeting in hubs. They use that language to talk about how they're coming. They continue to use online presence, but they come together in people's backyards to connect and meet, and that's been significant. Um, what, what if you're a church planner who's planning on launching in January of 2021, and all of a sudden you run into the coronavirus pandemic? Uh, Cody and Brianna Matchett and Garden City Church in Calgary. That's exactly their experience. So what does that look like? Not feeling released from God's call on their lives, not feeling released from the people that are already coming together, but acknowledging the reality that everything's changed. Um, we have two Sudanese congregations across the Canada Covenant, one in Calgary, one in London, Ontario. Uh, it's been challenging for them. Uh, Stonehouse and Steinbeck. And then three communities, Abundant Life, Encounter, and Zoe in the GTA. So this has been a uniquely challenging season for them. Again, not making it more or less, but would you pray for them, please? Um, the other group, uh, even as we just heard in this video, the, the reality of uh, just the diversity of our context and how different uh, we've all experienced this in different places in the world. Um, I'm regularly in touch with Colleen Nanachuk, who I know many of you know and pray for uh, regularly. Argentina has continued to face uh, the up and down cycle. Uh, they're in their winter months. Um, they've gone through cycles of having to shelter in place, and then they've opened up, and then they've had to go back in. Um, our partners in Ecuador, the Middle East and North Africa. I spoke with Jeff and Darlene Anderson this week. And, uh, and the reality of challenges, if you think about an already, uh, we actually joked, uh, whoever thought that a viral pandemic would somehow be more complex than the reality and pursuit of peacemaking in the Middle East. Well, that's the reality. There's another layer of complexity there. Um, our friends in Haiti uh, and around the world. So just invite you to pray with and for them. The last thing I just want to highlight for prayer, and it's uh, one of the side benefits of being out this weekend, the reason I was out in the middle of March 
is that many of you know we've been in conversation uh, with the Kootenai Presbytery about the potential of purchasing uh, the Dutch Harbor property. Uh, they've come to the end of their, their sense of stewarding that ministry and they've invited us to pursue that. And quite frankly, of all the times to be thinking about purchasing a camp, probably not the best. Uh, and for this very reason, I would ask you to pray. My prayer uh, for the last 12 months as we've been involved in this conversation, God, if you're not in this, would you shut it down? And more specifically, in the last five months, as we've thought about what would it look like um, to raise the money in order to purchase that in the middle of a global pandemic, God, if you're not in it, shut it down. And yet there continues to be openness and some momentum there and opportunity. And, and I think while we want to be deeply wise, uh, we do not want to miss what God might be putting before us. And so uh, would you just join us in praying uh, for that opportunity, not only for um, an expanded ministry to, to kids and uh, students in form of camping, but also opportunities for young adult discipleship and leadership development and retreats and a much broader uh, vehicle in this incredibly uh, beautiful sacred space, which is your home. Maybe you needed to hear this as someone coming from the outside in. You guys live in an amazing part of the world. And so uh, give thanks for that every day. Uh, we're certainly thankful this weekend to benefit from this. As I drove home from Nelson on March 15th, I got a phone call. And it was from Becca. And she said, school is closed. And I said, oh, okay, uh, for the week? And she said, no, for the year. Uh, I don't know about you, maybe you're far enough away from having young kids at home, but that is music to any parent's ears, right? <laughs> what? What do you mean school is closed? I mean, there was this, this rising sense of concern, uh, on that Sunday, some churches had met, some churches had not. There was an awareness in the states. Several states were already sheltering in place. There was a growing sense of awareness that something is happening, something is coming. And yet it was that moment, as my friend Mark and I drove through Fernie, and as I heard Becca say, until the end of the year, I knew we were in the land between. In this particular season, all of us have been in the land between, but, but many of us, all of us experience that at different points and at different times in our lives. That moment when we realize, that moment when we become aware that everything has been somehow turned upside down. Maybe it was being invited into your supervisor's office and simply saying, being, hearing the words, we have to let you go. Maybe it was receiving a phone call from a son or a daughter to say, Dad, I'm at the police station. Mom, I'm pregnant. Uh, maybe it's the reality in a more positive way. Will you marry me? The sense that somehow in that moment, at that time, our lives as we knew them have been changed for good. 
And, and I don't know about you, and I don't know specifically here in Belfort, how you've been experiencing this season of the land between. But I would suggest this, that, that while it's painful and disorienting and anxiety-producing, I have come to believe this, that the land between can often be the fertile ground out of which the grace and peace, the goodness and faithfulness of God might take deeper root in my life. That, that maybe in those moments of challenge, that call from a doctor, the tumor is benign. We actually wake up, we become more alive, we become more alert to our own self-sufficiency and our deep dependence and need for the goodness and faithfulness of God. Over the last ten years, I've come to use this phrase, the land between, to, to describe these kinds of disorienting somewhere between what was and what we hope might be spaces. And we're not alone. In fact, we can find ourselves in the story of Scripture in this same space. I've been finding myself in three particular parts of God's Word. I've found myself energized and fueled by the innovation and the, and the creativity of the early church in the book of Acts. I found something of God's call and promise. Um, Dan, you highlighted this even from uh, the prophet Isaiah this morning. The, the, the journey of exile where everything has sort of been stripped away. But this morning, uh, the third place that I found myself is in the Israelites' exodus journey. And I want to just briefly, as we come to the table this morning, highlight something of Israel's exodus journey, their time in the land between. Any of you, how, how many of you like maps? Any, any map? I, I love maps. I I actually think that somehow God gave me a map and implanted it somewhere in my brain. I have a natural sense of orientation. I actually hate using GPS because it turns me into a directional idiot. Uh, if I follow Siri or if I follow that voice and they tell me where to go, I'll end up somewhere and then I'll be like, how did I get here? I, I actually have to pay attention every space of the way. Uh, this is where I think we are, in case you're wondering today. You are here. And the Israelites were here too in our text from Numbers chapter 11. Caught in the Sinai wilderness, halfway in between what had been their home in Egypt and what will be their land, their promised land from God in Canaan, the Israelites found themselves in the middle of this wilderness space. You know, in this satellite image, you can see that um, the area of Egypt, traditionally where uh, the Israelites lived, it's green. It's on the Nile River Delta. It was lush. While they were in slavery, there were things there, there were creature comforts that the Israelites had there that were significant. Equally green, Canaan. But the Israelites were in this barren, desert-like wasteland. Do you know in that barren wasteland space in the desert of Sinai what is very fertile soil for? And maybe some of you have been experiencing in this, in this COVID season. 
The wilderness, the land between, is fertile soil for complaint. And so hear this from Numbers chapter 11. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, I I started to hear this in a whiny voice. If only we had meat to eat. We remembered the beautiful coconut salmon we ate in Egypt. That was a joke. Come on. I mean, you guys sing in this room. How about laugh in this room? We ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. It sounds like your living garden out back. But now, we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this, this manna. Does anyone know what the literal translation of manna is? What is it? This this nondescript, this ambiguous, what is it? And yet, for close to two years, that's my math on this passage from Numbers, the Israelites have been in the wilderness for two years. God has provided for his people. And, and what do we hear? We hear complaint. Oh, if only we could go back. I've heard one person describe it this way. It took less than 40 days to get the Israelites out of Egypt. It would take over 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites' heart. Hear that? There's a spirit of of complaint. There's a root of bitterness in God's people that, that every once in a while it would just pop up. And it was gross and it was ugly. I wonder how many of us in this in-between, in this land-between season we've been in over the last five months have experienced moments where complaint starts to come up. If, if only we could go back to the end of February... I mean, I'm thankful for a job, but I'm sick of being on Zoom calls day in and day out. I love my kids, but I really want them to go back to school. Anyone? Hey, I'm just preaching to myself this morning. I mean, I I suppose we could all enumerate some form of complaint or frustration or disappointment or just... Friends, can you hear this this morning? In the name of Jesus, trust in the living God and his goodness and faithfulness evicts complaints. Complaint and trust are incompatible roommates. And so I wonder, in this moment, in this season, how might we identify with the Israelites and press into a greater and deeper trust in the faithfulness and goodness of God? I mean, it's not just the rabble, and it's not just Israel. Uh, Moses, as a leader, was not exempt for this either. Uh, confession, I probably had four days over the last five months that I was far less than my best. And there was a common thread. It was this question, how long? Like, I can do something for a season, but I've just had these moments as I continue to seek and serve and, and want to step into the gap. Like, how long are we going to have to keep doing this? And in those four days, I had either 
uh, done the wrong thing by reading the news before I read God's word, or I had been on a conversation that had highlighted some piece of information about our reality, and it just put me in this dark space where it's like, oh my goodness, like, I, I get that we're in the land between, but isn't there some form of normalcy that's going to come on the horizon? I mean, I, f- I find some grace, and I actually find some freedom in the fact that Moses, this iconic leader of faith, also was someone who came to the end of his rope. Moses says, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat! I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, catch this, God, please go ahead and kill me now. How's that for an honest prayer? If I have found a favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. Friends, in the land between trust, we choose trust over complaint. We trust transparency over tantrums. Have any of you come to a point of just wanting to throw a bit of an emotional pity party or tantrum in this season? I have. I have. I didn't sign up for this! No thanks! Now, don't hear... That's not where the story ends, right? If all I was was transparent and honest before you, you might say, like, go away. I don't want your pity party. That's what I say to my kids sometimes. Snacks are gone. Go away. Stop asking me for snacks. But what does it look like for us to find ourselves anew in this season, even in the honesty, even in the rawness, even in the brokenness of this moment where where some of us, and again, there I've heard multiples of you say this. God, you have blessed us in this incredible space, in this bubble here in the Kootenays. Friends, make no mistake. The coronavirus is real. Thank you for letting us in from Alberta and not slashing our tires or loosening up our lug nuts on our... But, like, it's, it's not good in Calgary. We faced, we had our first death in our community. It's real. And so I'm thankful that you've been spared from that. But make no mistake, friends, brothers, and sisters across our world are... And and so there are these moments where it's like, how do we manage this as mature followers of Jesus? I, I think we just have to be honest. I think it's okay to say, I'm sick of this. But what does it look like to take our, I am sick of this, and offer them back to God. There's language for that, right? It's the language of confession. It's the language of lament. 
And it's deeply spiritual. Friends, in the land between, God meets us in our pain and brokenness. We don't need to run from. We don't need to somehow just pick ourselves up by the scruff of our neck or put our smiley face on. We can be honest about our brokenness, inviting the living God in it to transform it. Here's the last thing that I want to share. I mean, this is God um, responding back to Moses. And I think this is beautiful. I wonder what you hear in this text. Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will bear the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. What's God's message there? Anyone? Here I am. I will be with you. This is a great moment. Uh, please do not hear this as like the iconic pastor standing up, you know, making their kids better than anyone else. But, but we had a moment, my boys and I, the other night. And I asked them before bed, uh, Jonas had said, Dad, are you going to pray for us? So here's true confession. Dad just wants the kids to go to sleep. We're not praying right now. Like, Dad's getting out. But Jonas says, Dad, can we pray? And often I'll pray uh, that blessing that's at the end of the book of Numbers, the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. And in that moment, I just had this moment. I just, I said, guys, this is what I want us to do tonight as we pray before bed. You know that part in, the, in, in that prayer that I often pray, which it says, the Lord turns his face and shines upon you. Jonas. Jonas, can you tell me, like, if you imagine God smiling upon you, what do you think God says to you right now as you go to sleep? And Jonas said, I will protect you. I will uphold you in my right hand. So somehow that psalm had gotten into my youngest son's head. And then I said, Soren, what do you think when, when God smiles upon you tonight? What's, what's God saying to you? Soren said, I love you. I will be with you. Like a child, God says, come to me. If we can be honest in the land between... Some of us are full of complaint. Some of us are on the edge of tantrum. And some of us actually might be butting up against the border of despair. And in the midst of despair, God says, I will be with you. I will provide. I'm not going to offer you manna anymore. I offer you myself. And so out of the goodness and faithfulness of God, friends, we come this morning to this table 
to do the very thing that we sang about a few minutes ago. To run to Jesus. That in a day, in a season, in a moment in which none of us would have asked for it. To remind ourselves the fact that we are not alone. That the living God, the maker of heaven and earth, who became flesh and moved into the neighborhood and dwelt with us, He is here now by the power of His Spirit. And so, Belfour, this morning I invite you to this table as a response to that word that we've just heard to place our trust, to renew our sense of transparency and honesty, to acknowledge God's desire to provide. Because He has. Friends, I invite you to this table, not because you have to, but because you get to. Not because you're so good or right, but because we're actually broken and we're sinful. And if we're honest enough about us, about that, we trust that God meets us in that. We come not to state our opinion, but to humbly receive the goodness, the faithfulness of our God. I wonder, as we prepare to come to this table, if I could just invite a moment of silence. And I name three values to choose trust over complaint, to be transparent in the face of temper tantrum, to acknowledge God's presence and provision as opposed to despair. In this moment of silence, would you simply acknowledge today, I am desiring, I need, and in silence, just acknowledge that for yourself.